Good morning. Well, these verses, Peter has something to say to us about suffering injustice. And you know, injustice is really hard for us to swallow. Very few things in life are harder for us to tolerate than unfairness and injustice. I remember a situation in in our family just before my junior year in high school, uh, my dad was fired from his job as administrator at, a, at an evangelical retirement home. And we got, we got home from a family vacation. We'd been to California for a couple of weeks. And we, we pulled into our driveway at home, and, and there was a letter taped to the front door of our home. And uh, it was a letter from the president of the board notifying my dad that they had terminated his employment and I think of, of all the, the nice ways that you can let somebody go, that's not, not one of the best. Uh, but the board president, he was a local pastor, uh, he, and he, he fired my dad and kind of led, led, the, uh, led the, the charge, so to speak, to, to fire him. And then he made his own son-in-law the, the new administrator. Pretty convenient. And, uh, you know, my dad was stung by the injustice of that, or at least what he perceived to be the injustice of it. And uh, he struggled with that, with that for years. And he'd always been a very loyal, church-going, deeply involved. But, you know, he's, he struggled with uh, that pastor and attitudes toward that pastor and, and some of the other pastors on the board for just the way that whole thing came down. Well, there is a lot of injustice uh, and mistreatment in this life both minor and major. And one of the first phrases that kids learn to say is, that's not fair. Well, I, th- I think that's right after they learn to say no. And we laugh about that, but it's hard for us to get beyond that response no matter how old we get. We, we might not say it just like the kids do, but uh, it's hard for us to get beyond that mentality. That's not fair. Injustice can prompt sinful attitudes and responses uh, quicker than just about anything else. Our tendency, our human tendency, our sinful human tendency is to fight back, uh, to protest, to rant and rave, to uh, tell everyone just how unjustly and unfairly we've been treated. Well, in this passage, Peter deals specifically with injustice from those in authority, or from injustice in those who are over us in some way. Now, just by itself, submission to those in authority is hard enough for us to deal with, right? Amen? But when you add injustice into that relationship, it's, it's only human to, to rebel, uh, to simmer with hatred and resentment, or to live in kind of a hopeless or a depressed hopelessness over the situation. Yet Peter's unmistakable message to us is that we are to respectfully submit even when there is injustice and we are to do so with patient endurance. Now, in the verses just previous to this passage, to our passage this morning, 
uh, Peter had exhorted us to have an attitude of respectful submission. He hadn't gotten to this point of injustice, but he had, he's been exhorting us in, in, the, in the passage, in the chapter prior to this, to have an attitude of respectful submission. He told us that we were to show proper respect to everyone and that we were sub- to submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And biblical submission, not to be overly repetitive from uh, last week, but biblical submission means to voluntarily place yourself under someone else for the Lord's sake or out of reverence for the Lord. Uh, You know, Paul said we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Every one of us is called called to this. even not only to those in authority, but it's just to be a general attitude that we have, even to one another in the body of Christ, we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this respectful submission, I thought of this phrase this week, and I, I, I don't think it's over the top, but it just came to my, came to my mind as I was studying this, that, that this respectful submission is the jewel of Christian behavior. It's really the pinnacle of this excellent behavior that Peter has called us to or exhorted us to. This attitude of respectful submission, I believe, marks you as a follower of Jesus Christ perhaps more than anything other than loving one another. And it's a part of loving one another But still, as sort of an independent character quality, I think it marks us as a believer like nothing else. It is a quality of Jesus Christ. It's a quality that we find in Jesus Christ. It's not a quality that we find in the world or in the flesh. It's a quality that we find in in Jesus Christ. And it's a quality that can really only be worked into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And as, as, I, as I've already said, submission is not always easy for us. Uh, just, again, we're, forget about injustice, okay? <laughs> just, I just want to go back and kind of review that even just submission is not always easy for us. Submission to another person, to their will, to their choice, to their schedule, to their goals is hard. And the call to submit to anyone strikes at the root of human pride. It strikes at the root of self. And I think it strikes at the root of, of self or human nature like really no other thing that God asks us to do. Apart from God, human nature says, I am my own God. I bow to no one. I want to be free as a bird, accountable to no one, submitting to no one. And quite frankly, it seems to me that many Christians uh, do quite well, or at least seem to do quite well in many areas of life and, and may actually appear to be quite spiritual. Uh, but if and when they are put in a situation that requires submission to another person, then suddenly they don't look or act so spiritual. There are missionaries, yes, missionaries, and we could say pastors and everything else, but I know for sure there are missionaries who 
who are willing, who, who give up the comforts of living here in the USA, willing to go to distant lands to, to bring the message of Jesus Christ to people. But when they're asked to submit to another missionary or to someone in their mission agency, the sparks fly and conflict erupts. Hudson Taylor, who is very well known as a missionary founder of the China, China In- Inland Mission, had, if you've read, ever read his biography, he, he had a, uh, a missionary worker. He had a, a worker in the China Inland Mission who caused him great grief in his work there in China. And I, I, I always found that so ironic because here was a man who, I mean, he was, well, he was a missionary, went all the way to China to share the gospel with people, and yet he never learned to work under others in a respectful, submissive, submissive manner. And as I said, he created tremendous grief and problems for Hudson Taylor and among other workers in the China Inland Mission because he'd never learned this quality this very, uh, this very precious and important quality of respectful submission. So it's, it's easy, it's relatively easy to do many spiritual activities and to, and to think, man, we have really advanced in the Christian life. Uh, but when we're, when we're called on to submit, especially if we feel there's any, any injustice, I mean, even just a tinge of injustice in what we're asked to do or in how we're treated it, that, can, that can really show us how far we have to grow up in Christ. But thank God, through the miracle of being born of God, through the miracle of the indwelling spirit, through the, in, through the miracle of being made new people, uh, the Holy Spirit works into each of us a submissive heart and a, and a desire to be like Christ and a desire to respond like Christ. And really, this is now who we are in Christ. We are no longer enslaved to rebellion and resistance and resentment to those over us. And that can be a very freeing thing. Now, Peter's exhortation uh, to submission in this passage is specifically to slaves. Verse 18 starts, uh, slaves or servants, uh, depending on your translation, be subject to your masters with all respect. Obviously, most of us are not slaves. Uh, So we could, I suppose, decide to just write this passage off. But I think certainly this passage and these words of Peter apply to all Christians. They apply to all of us uh, who are living or working under the authority of others, whether they be bosses or foremen or group leaders, or administrators, or teachers if you're a student, or any kind of governing authorities. I mean, there's just all kinds of ways that this passage applies to us. You know, I, was, I was thinking, you know, when we bought this building, uh, we, f- we had to be under the submission of the local city of Ankeny code enforcement officers. And it cost us a lot of money to be in submission <laughs> under them. We had to do, redo a lot of things just to be in conformity to them. So I mean, there's just all kinds of areas of life where we are to be in submission to those over us in whatever situation. And Peter's words have an application for you. So don't, don't go to sleep just because you're not a slave. <laughs> 
Now, in the Roman Empire, it's been estimated that up to half of the population were slaves. I mean, if you were a citizen of Rome, you had a slave, and every household had slaves. Some have estimated that 60 million people were slaves. Did I just say that? Okay. Uh, And so we can assume, we could could just make an assumption that if half the people in the Roman Empire were slaves, that a vast number of Christians were also slaves. And certainly we know from Scripture that many were slaves because of passages like this from 1 Peter, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, other places I mean, slaves are always addressed and talked about in many of the situations in the New Testament. So many Christians were in this situation of being slaves or or servants. Uh, Most, it seems, uh, were household servants who who did all the work of the home for their masters. They had no legal rights. Their masters had great power over them, over every aspect of their lives. And their treatment was entirely subject to the moods and to the character of their master or their owner. And obviously some were nicer than others. Some were good and considerate and some were not. Now the question that came up in the first century was, how should, how should those slaves who became Christians, how should slaves who became Christians, how should they respond to their masters? I mean, they obviously had, had, they served the Lord. The Lord was their master. So they, were, they knew that they were free, set free in Christ. Freedom is a great theme in the New Testament. But if they were a slave, so how should they respond to their master? Well, I mean, Peter, Peter's answer is very direct, perhaps even blunt. Slaves, submit to your masters with all respect. But there's a second question that that arises with that command. Uh, Some would say, well, I can understand that we should submit to a good and a kind master. But what about those that are harsh and unjust? Or in our culture, our day, we might say, well, I can understand how I can, I could pretty easily submit maybe to that person or to that employer, to that boss. Uh, we might say, I could submit to certain people I've worked for, uh, those who were uh, considerate of my personal problems, those who complimented me on my work, uh, those who really seemed to care about me and take an interest in me. Yeah, I, th- I think I could submit to those, those kind of people in the workplace. But what about the one who assigns me more than my fair share of the work? Or what about the one who is, is cranky and just nasty? How about the one who uh, blames me or falsely acu- blames me for things that I didn't do? What about those that are, that are just hard or harsh to work for? And so Peter answers, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. That, that's the New American Standard, to those who are unreasonable. NIV says those who are harsh. The ESV says those who are unjust. So you, you, can, you can take your pick <laughs> of that. They kind of all communicate the same 
same unpleasant situ- working situation. But the point is, God, God is telling us through Peter that submission is not dependent upon the attitude or behavior of those over us. We're called to submit with respect if those over us are, are, are kind and considerate or if they're not. Now, thank God for good employers. Thank God for considerate bosses. Thank God for good teachers. Uh, thank God for good administrators. But we are to shine forth this Christ-like quality of submission, respectful submission, or submission with all respect, whether or not those in authority over us are kind and considerate. And, that, and, and that's, that's a hard, hard one to get for us to get. It's a hard one for us to grasp or really to, to accept. Now, Here's just another thought that I had from this, and you might consider this maybe off the wall a little bit, but I was thinking about the people that Peter's writing to and what what is really their situation like and, and, and what is our situation really like. I mean, he's writing to people that are that are slaves, at very best household servants, with no rights. And some of them are being harshly treated. We, we would say abused. Some of them are being dealt with unjustly or unreasonably. And what does Peter ask them to do? To respectfully submit. And I think if we were to really consider the situation that these first century slaves, Christian slaves were in, we might, we might be ashamed at ourselves for how easily we take offense at such small things or uh, nurse hurt feelings over uh, some slight comment. And here are people that are enduring so much harder or more unfair or more unjust situation. In almost every instance, we find ourselves in better condition than these people We are in situations where submission to those over us generally, I would say, is much easier than it was for them. And so if they were called uh, to this response, we certainly are too in our um, less, lesser situations. Now, I think it would be wrong, and I guess there's a little bit of a parenthesis here, but I think it's important for for me to cover what I'm going to cover here next. I I think it would be wrong for us to draw a conclusion that a Christian should always allow himself or herself to be abused. I don't think that's what this is teaching. I don't don't think we should draw a conclusion that even that we are to, to just passively submit in every case, in every situation without exception. I mean, we even see some exceptions in Scripture. There are some situations that do require much prayer. I think there are some situations that require the leading of conscience and the Holy Spirit to know what to do. Uh, probably all of us that have been Christians for a while are aware of, of Peter's very bold statement to the Jewish authorities when he said, we must obey God rather than man. And I was uh, thinking a little bit this week about how Paul had, he endured an illegal beating 
in Acts chapter 16, but in Acts chapter 22, when the Roman commander ordered Paul to be flogged, Paul protested, saying, Is it lawful for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? And so based on on his protest, he was not beaten. So I don't think the the application should be just just that we should be... um, uh, we should always allow ourselves to be abused in any, any and every situation. Yet, even in these examples that I shared with Peter and Paul, if you, re- if you read those stories, in those cases, the authorities in, in both those situations were spoken to with the utmost respect. And even in their protests, they showed the, this spirit or attitude of submission. Now let's bring it. Let's bring it down to, to our culture. Uh, in most cases, you have freedom to leave a job in which you feel that you're being mistreated. I mean, just just in our culture and our work environment, you would have freedom to uh, resign, quit, whatever, however you want to say it. And and I actually think there's 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 biblical precedent for that. Paul said. Uh, were you called to Christ while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able to become free, rather do that. In other words, if, if, they, were, if they were a slave, and it doesn't say in this situation if, if they had a harsh master or not, but certainly if they were a slave and had a harsh master and they had the option or the opportunity somehow to become free, Paul said, rather do that. I mean, if you, if you can... Get out from underneath a, an, an unfair or abusive situation. Paul said, rather do that. But, it, but in most cases, the slaves in the first century certainly could not do that. And even in our culture, in most cases, if you must provide for a family, it's very tough to just get up and, and say, see ya to, to an employer. At least I found, I found it. Uh, that so in many years that, that I worked um, in a man- manufacturing environment, uh, I I mean I I had this kind of the fear of God in me that I had to provide for my wife and family, and I it wasn't wasn't something where where when these injustices came up, which they invariably do, that you could just you could just walk walk out the door. And I think there's another thing that we really should grasp here. And that is that even if you can leave a situation uh, that it, where, where you're being mistreated in, in some level or someone's being unreasonable with you, it is just possible that it would not be the best thing for you to leave, either for your own sake or for the cause of Christ. It very well may be that God wants you to learn this very lesson that Peter is talking about in these verses. It may be, very well may be, that God wants you to learn how to bear up under an unfair and unpleasant situation and reflect the submissive quality of Christ in that situation. So, regardless of these, what I might call exceptions, uh, we, 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 must, we must, as believers, as followers of Christ, emphasize and embrace this truth that we are called to suffer like our Lord and we should submit ourselves to those in authority even 
in situations of injustice. And as Josh said last week, this should be the, the default position of a Christian. If you don't know what you're supposed to do in a situation, do just what Peter said. Respectfully submit even to those who are harsh and un, unreasonable. Now, Peter goes on to explain that he is not talking about suffering for doing something sinful. Uh, he is talking about doing good. He's talking about a situation where you are doing what is good and right and you're still harshly treated for it. Verse 20, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this finds favor with God. That's the New American Standard, which I love. This finds favor with God. The NIV says this is commendable before God. Now, don't just pass over that phrase. I, I think this is so, so vital to being able to live out this, this life, this attitude that Peter calls us to. This is, this is a tremendous promise. This is a precious promise that will enable you to bear up under injustice. Because Peter tells us that your good behavior, your good behavior in a very difficult situation is seen by God. God notices it. He approves of, of that and it finds favor with him. In other words, God values that kind of behavior. When he sees you suffering unjustly or bearing up patiently in an unjust situation, God values that behavior and he commends it. Blessings will come to you from enduring difficult people under whom you work or live. You know, just, just taken by itself, nothing seems like a greater waste, a more meaningless exercise. Nothing is harder to tolerate. Nothing is more frustrating than to suffer harsh treatment or unkind treatment when you don't deserve it. I mean, it just just seems like such, such such a waste to deal with that. But when... But when we look to God and we see that God commends us for it, it takes away the bitterness of submitting in those situations. I mean, to find favor in the eyes of God, that means everything. I mean, that is such a huge uh, reward, such such a great state to be in. To be in a state where you are living out an attitude that God says is that is commendable and where God, where God says that he favors you because of that. That, to me, that, that, that makes up or it takes away the sting. It takes the sting, the bitterness out of submitting in those situations. The key is in who we're looking to. Many people can only see the injustice. And that's their focus. That's all they talk about. 
and they become blinded to the favor of God. They become blinded to see any value. They can't see any value in, in obtaining God's favor in this situation. All they can see how how unfairly be, they've been treated. And this is that's really a dangerous frame of mind for a believer to be in, to see only the injustice. Now, we're just supposed to lift up our eyes off of the injustice and unto God and, 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 and to be encouraged that he finds, he finds it commendable, that he, he finds it something rewardable, that he blesses and favors when we, when we bear up under mistreatment. Now, also in verse 20, Peter makes it clear that the idea is not just that you go through injustice with, uh, with griping and cursing and, and bitterness, but that you endure it with, with patience. In other words, you, you, you go through it and you, and you keep your godly composure. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just enduring it, just putting up with it with a horrible attitude. That's, that's not going to be commendable to God. He's talking about enduring it with, with, with patience. And Peter goes right on and tells us the pattern for this is Jesus. Verse 21, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Words, Christ showed us how to suffer injustice. If you're suffering anything that is unfair, that seems harsh or unkind, in any way, in any situation, in any relationship, Jesus Christ shows you how to handle that. He shows, you, shows us how to suffer injustice. We are to follow in his steps, uh, meaning that we are to respond to injustice and mistreatment the same way that Jesus did. He went before us and he said, this is how you do it. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. You know, just as, as a very brief reminder of what Christ went through, I want to read Matthew 27, 28 through 31. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. That's how Jesus was treated. And that's only a small part of, this, of all that he suffered. And yet, in it all, Peter says that he was utterly blameless. There was no sin in his response. He kept himself from sinful responses. As a man, I mean, he was a God-man. As a man, I'm sure he felt the pain and the hurt and the anger that you and I would feel. But he did not give in to that temptation to retaliate. Verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Okay, instead, he, instead of retaliating, he chose to do something else. And that, so, it's, so it's not just don't retaliate. Okay? There, there's something else that you've got to do too. Instead of retaliating, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself, he entrusted his case to God. Jesus trusted that the Father would take care of him. He trusted that the justice of God for him would prevail, even if he had to wait for it. And God did judge justly. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above all names, it says in Philippians 2. So instead of fighting back, instead of ranting and raving, instead of making threats, instead of grumbling to everybody that will listen, we are to entrust ourselves to God. We're to entrust our case to God. We're to trust God in, in the injustice because God judges all situations, including your situations, justly. In our study in, in Jeremiah, uh, there's a particular point where Jeremiah was taken by the authorities. He was, he was beaten, flogged, and he was put in stocks with his arms and, arms and, and, and feet and, and head in a, in a stock. And while he was in this torturous position, the people laughed at him and mocked him. And yet, we st- this last time that we met, we, we looked at the, the, of one of the prayers that he prayed in that situation. And he said, he said this, The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Lord Almighty, to you I have committed my cause. And that's just what Jesus did. And that's a pretty good prayer for you to remember. Lord Almighty, to you I have committed my cause. And you may have a cause. You may have an unfair situation that you need to commit to God this morning. And the amazing truth, the promise of this passage is that you can trust God to take care of you. Even though something may seem very unfair. You can trust God to see you through it and to bring justice out of it in the end, just like he did for his own son, Jesus Christ. And in verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And these could be certainly taken as a standalone verse, but I believe they, to, to me, they, they, they flow in the context. And I think it's very important to at least this morning for, for, to see these verses in the context of, 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 of this exhortation from Peter. Christ bore our sins. God transferred our sins. He, God transferred your sins to Jesus Christ. It's just an amazing, gracious act. He took them off of you and put them on Jesus. But his goal in doing that was not only your forgiveness. It was not only forgiveness of sins. He died for us so that we might become people who respond righteously to injustice. 
And I believe that's what Peter is saying here. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He, he is calling us to respond to injustice in a righteous way. Christ died for you so that you might become a person who responds righteously. So you might die to sin and respond righteously to injustice. He died so that we might die to sins such as anger and hatred and resentment and seeking revenge and retaliation. He died for us so that even under the most trying conditions, we would live out a righteous response. That we would die to sin and live righteously. And here's what, here's what I believe Peter was, was, was doing here in this, this pa- passage, in particular, particularly in, in this context. Peter was telling these Christians this, this an amazing thing, that because the power of sin in their lives was broken at the cross, slaves, Christian slaves, could now deal with their harsh masters with the same attitude Jesus Christ had toward his abusers. And because the power of sin was broken in your life, because by the work of Christ you can die to sin and live to righteousness, because the power of sin was broken in your life, you can now deal with those who treat you harshly or unkindly or unfairly with the same attitude Jesus Christ had toward those who hurled insults at him. And verse 24 continues, By his wounds you have been healed. I believe there is physical healing in the prophecies of Isaiah 53. And we, we know that from, from Matthew eight seventeen. Matthew, uh, the gospel writer, quoted uh, Isaiah 53. And he wrote that Jesus healed all who were sick to fulfill what was written by Isaiah the prophet. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Yet in the flow of this context, Peter is talking about being healed from the sickness of sin and brought into the health of righteousness. Christ died for us so that we might... I mean, just, just look at the flow, of the, ver, flow of, of the verse. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By Christ's wounds... You were healed of bitterness and resentment and anger and hatred and rebellion as well as all other kinds of sinful passions. By his wounds, you have been brought into a place of wholeness and healing. You were healed of those sinful responses and sinful emotions and sinful reactions to life and people and to injustice and you now live in the health of Righteous thinking, righteous living, righteous attitudes. And this is a truth that you can stand on. When facing the temptation to, to sin or to sinful responses to those who mistreat you, you can say, by his wounds I was healed. I no longer have to live in depression over being mistreated. I no longer have to live in anger and bitterness over injustice. I no longer have to rant 
and rave about all that is unfair in my life. I no longer have to be trapped in the sin of self-pity over the injustice of life. Christ's own body was bruised and bloodied. His flesh was cut open in stripes to heal my soul of these things. Verse 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Like sheep going astray, you responded to life, to circumstances in life, to injustice. You responded just like everybody else, like sheep going astray. You were like a lost sheep. You had no shepherd to show you any better. And so you just, you just got mad. You just got angry. You just struck back. You just retaliated. You just returned the insult. You just yelled back. You got into shouting matches. You were just like a lost sheep. But now you have a shepherd, an overseer of your soul, of your soul to show you how to live, how to respond. You have a shepherd, an overseer of your soul to guide you in the right way of living. He is a good shepherd who loves you, laid down his life for you, and you can trust him through difficult things, through painful things, even, even through times where you're insulted, uh, mistreated, and dealt with unjustly. Uh, and he's, he's been there, and as a shepherd, he will, he will guide you through that. He will show you how to respond. So follow, follow the shepherd who oversees your soul for good because he is watching over your soul for good. Now, do you remember just a few verses earlier that Peter had warned us about the sinful passions and what do they do? They war, wage war against your soul. Again, sinful responses to unjust treatment, anger, resentment, rebellion, fear, hate, and despair. Those kind of things. Sinful passions wage war against your soul. But if you follow in the footsteps of Christ and suffer with patience, your soul will prosper and you'll be healthy and whole. Thank God we have Christ as our shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this very uh, strong exhortation that, that, that we need. And Lord, we, uh, we, we thank you that we are no longer... Um, lost sheep, aimlessly wandering about, sinfully responding to life. But now we have returned to you, the shepherd and guardian, the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so we look to you, Jesus. We want to follow in your steps. We want to respond to these things the same way that you did. And we, we thank you so much for the gracious and powerful work of the Holy Spirit who's working these very things who is working right now, this very moment, this, this moment right now as we pray, sit here on this Sunday morning, you, that your Holy Spirit is working, graciously working these attitudes into our heart. And we thank you so much for it because that's not what we were like. That's not who we were. But you have made us new people to respond to life, to respond to people, to respond to those over us, to respond to, to injustice in a whole new way. 
And God, how we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, if anybody that would like prayer this morning, uh, 